Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 88, Chagit Soviev Levayev, CEO of Levayev USA and Philanthropist. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Do you like to talk about money? I do. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you already know that about me. I love money. I love what it can do for us and for our communities. I love making it, investing it, using it to help others. And I am obsessed with helping women gain a better understanding of what money and wealth is really all about. Because no, according to Judaism, money is not the source of all evil. Even if we've been conditioned to have those beliefs, that is not a Jewish belief by any extent of the imagination. Today's guest will share with us the Jewish view on wealth from first first-hand experience. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. I have Chagit Sofia Levayev on the show. Chagit is the CEO of Levayev USA, a group of companies founded by her father, renowned businessman and philanthropist, Mr. Lev Levayev, with investments in a wide range of dynamic industries, including real estate, mining, energy, diamonds, and jewelry. Chagit is a graduate of Bar-Ilan University with a BA in Economics and Business Administration. In her role as CEO, She has led many high-stakes transactions, such as the sale of the former New York Times building in Times Square. You know that building? For nearly $300 million in 2015. I think it was actually a part of the building. And she is also a dedicated wife and a mother to four children. And she follows in the footsteps of her parents' philanthropic spirit. She dedicates much of her time and resources to help organizations that focus on the community, on Jewish education, and on women empowerment. Was working for her father something that she always expected to do? Hagid takes us behind the scenes and gets real with us about the juggling act. She also tells us that for her, as challenging as it may be, it is well worth it, not just because it fulfills her personally, which it does, but as soon you'll hear, it's also part of a bigger view on life, contributing to a broader mission and continuing the legacy that her parents built. What were the financial lessons that she learned from her parents? What could men and women do better when it comes to women empowerment and women in the C-suite and the boardroom? What does Judaism mean to Chagit? This is not a reality show or an episode of Crazy Rich Asians. This is so much better. This is an episode about true Jewish wealth, one which is dictated first and foremost by God's Torah. And you'll hear that from the lovely Chagit Soviev Levayev. Hagid Soviev Levayev, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. It is really an honor. Just to brag a little bit about you, you are the president of Levayev USA, the US branch of your father's conglomerate of companies. And in that role, you've had to manage multi-million dollar businesses in many different industries. But you arrived at this role after having a career in your own right, having had extensive corporate finance experience. And really, one could say that this career move 
move of working on what your father so aptly built is one of the most important career steps in your life. You have to relocate your family from Israel to New York, which is not an easy choice to make for anyone. You had your own thriving career, but you decided to take this ambitious move to preside over this huge portfolio of your father's business. I would love for us to get started by you walking us through the process of making that decision. Was this something that you and your father always saw in your future? Was there a concrete plan? How did that come about, Hagi? It wasn't a concrete plan at all. It was actually a very spontaneous decision, surprisingly. I mean, when I just graduated from um, Bar-Ilan University, I was really debating what I should do. I said, should I start working for my father? You know, everyone's going to look at me like, you know, this little girl wants to come to work in her father's business, or should I just go work in a different firm to get experience, to be just like anyone else, try to, you know, work my way up. And I've decided that this would probably be the better way for me, the latter. Mm -hmm. And I was working for a company called Deloitte in Israel. Mm -hmm. I was working there for two years as a financial advisor. And later, I joined a company of my father's in Israel. My father said, Hagida, I think this role is going to be good for you. And I was like, are you sure? I don't think I can do this. I was really hesitant, but I wasn't afraid. I said, you know what? Let me just try what what can happen. I will learn and I will observe and it's going to be okay. Baruch Hashem, uh, I guess I didn't do such a bad job. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know, you know, um, you learn a lot and you gain experience and it's a very slow process. It's not like you come and you know everything and, and you're the boss and you make the decisions. It doesn't work like that. It's, it takes many years until you understand. You give respect to people who have been in the industry or in the company many years before you came mm-hmm. and have much more experience than you do. I'm always willing to learn and to listen to other people. Even today, my employees, I always take their opinion and consider it. It's not like, you know, just my way or the highway. Mm. Sometime in 2011, my father reached out to me and he told me, Hagid, I'm, I'm expanding my business in the US and I really need there an extra pair of eyes of someone I trust. And I want someone that I trust to be there to look over the business. Mm-hmm. That's all he said. I was like, Dad, are you suggesting I should move to New York? He said, well, you know, your husband is American. My husband, you know, he, he was born and raised in New York. And when we got married, he moved to Israel. We lived there for about four and a half years. You know, I was talking about, about it with my husband and we had two young girls. And we said, Greg, it's or we take this opportunity right now when the kids are still small and, and we consider it. If anything, we can always be back to Israel. What do you think? first I said, I can't do it. I just had a baby. It's too hard. I'm so busy with the business in Israel. And then when my father reached out to me again, and he just said another word, I was like, okay, I guess he really wants me to do it. He just didn't want to pressure me. He wanted right. it. You know, it's a big decision. And it's it's so different from everything that I was used to and everything I knew because America, I mean, it's the other side of the world. It's a different time zone. It's different measurements, different temperature, everything different from what I know. Hmm. It's, it's really starting a new country without my family there. And we're a very very, we're a very warm family. We're nine brothers and sisters, always, you know, Shabbat with parents, flying together, vacations together. We're very, very close. And for me to leave my entire family, it was, I was like, should I do it? Should I not do it? But you know what? We really didn't think about it too much. I was like, you know what? Let me just go check it out. Let me look at a few properties for a house. Next thing I know, I'm on a plane. (laughs) going to check New York City (laughs) and literally three weeks later we packed our stuff and we moved to New York just like that so it really wasn't something that I always knew that I was going to do it wasn't on my plan and the radar at all New York was never on my radar but working for my father definitely was on my radar because I think the biggest proud feeling of a parent is when you know that your child is coming into your business and he's taking control and he's doing a great job at it I think that's a really big nachat for a parent 
for parents. Absolutely. And I see so many friends of ours that have really successful businesses and their kids just, you know, one of them, they want to pursue two completely different careers. And I see that the parents are really frustrated because they want their kids to be happy. But on the other hand, they feel like I built this beautiful business and I have no one to leave it to. Mm. I hope that I made uh, my parents nachat of, you know, trying to help out in the business a little bit. I'm pretty sure you've given them a lot of nachat. It's really it's just such a beautiful story. Of the nine children, are any of your other siblings involved in the family business? Yes, almost all of us are involved in the business. Over the years, when the family was growing, I had a sister that lived in London. She ran some assets. I have a sister in Russia. She runs one of the largest malls in Russia that we own there. I have a brother in Moscow that lives and runs a big operation of retail jewelry stores, about 400 stores. So we're like all worldwide right now. And, you know, everyone is in his own industry and in his own business. Everyone's responsible and independent in the business that they're controlling. That is so beautiful because it's really like all of you are taking concrete steps to just continuing the legacy of what your parents built. So it's really amazing. Yes, it's a very slow process. None of us just became a big manager just one day. You know, Mm -hmm. we start as coming to work with dad and helping picking up the phone calls. I mean, that's how that's how we literally start. And, you know, you just join some meetings here and there. It's a very slow process until you're entitled because it's not something that you just is just given to you. You have to you have to be trusted and you have to be capable of handling all these responsibilities. This is such an amazing lesson. And to continue on the theme of your father as a as a mentor and as a role model, he is too many. I heard a beautiful thing that you said that you learned from your father the following and I'm quoting you while we make a living by what we get we make a life by what we give this struck me as such an important and meaningful powerful lesson that one would wish would be imparted in every Jewish child from early on so I would love for you to to, you already gave us a little bit of a glimpse of you know how you get to be taken under your father's wing but take us back a little bit to your childhood and your young adult years and aside from just having I'm sure an awareness of your father's generosity um were there any moments that stand out for you, Hagid, as poignant financial lessons from your father, whether it be about charity or just a money management perspective that you feel were instrumental and tangible for you at an early age? There were so many lessons that I, I learned, not just from my father, also from my mother. Everything is a family. I think like my parents designed our, our character and designed us to become who we are. So everything from, you know, my father is not a type of person who talks a lot about the things he does. He keeps everything he does very quiet. So mm-hmm. a lot of that's the quote that he did. And, you know, I still see people sometimes and they tell me, you know how your father saved me? He did this and this. Mm-hmm. You know how your mother saved my daughter when she was in the hospital? She came, she read to heal him with me. You know, you did this. Like I hear stuff that my parents are doing and I'm like, oh my God, wow, wow. I'm so proud of them. I think also as a child, you know, obviously we grew in a very business-oriented family and, you know, business, you know, it's in our blood. Right. But the the chesed and the charity was so, it's something that, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was, it's not something that you I can ever take for granted because I think my father was, in his entire life, he was on a mission to teach other people the power of giving hmm. because he didn't just want to give by himself. He went and he made sure that everyone in our community would help 
I'll build this. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm putting the first million down. Who is joining me? Let's do this together. It's very important for everyone to give to the ka. The money is not yours. 10% is not yours. We're just the pipeline to transfer the money. You know, you give money in order to become more rich. So many life, life lessons and values that we as little kids, we went to all these events where he was publicly speaking and we're like, you know, this is what we grew on. This is what we know. You know, we've met in, throughout our life. We met so many, obviously, you know, successful, rich people, but I never appreciated, you know, someone for his wealth. It's not something I appreciate. I appreciate a person for the person he is. Mm-hmm. And what are people doing with their wealth? Right. What do they give to other people? How do they help other people? It's amazing and inspiring to see how people who actually have want to give to others because there are so many people today that are still not aware of the importance of giving and helping others. You know, I think one of the strongest memory that I remember as a child was that sometimes my parents would treat one of the kids and take them with them to a tour that they used to go um, worldwide. So one time they took me with them to some Jewish communities in Eastern Europe. I remember going to this place and walking into a school and there were like 500 children dressed up with their most beautiful clothes, singing beautiful welcome song to my family and kids go on the stage and say, thank you, Mr. Levive and Mrs. Levive, because of you, I am Jewish and because of you, this hasn't happened and because of you, I made Brit Milan and because of you, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that all this school and all this community and all this thing and all this lichot and all these amazing things happened because, you know, someone did something to help the Jewish community somewhere else. I mean, it's not the country that I live. It's not the community Mm -hmm. that we live. It's like such a far country that my father had to go, you know, and make time to go see what what he actually built. That was for me as a child to to come along those trips was the most inspiring and an amazing experience I, I I experienced as a child. I got I just got chills listening to this story. And I just want to recap for listeners, because what you've said is so powerful. It's about living, living what you're teaching to your children about the powerful of charitable giving and the importance It's something that we need to take extremely seriously. This is what we need to be doing with our money, period. And the Tsenua way of your parents, it's, it's also such a beautiful lesson for us to really take home with us. And also the leadership point, as you said, his ability to inspire and try to empower others to to really take this on as well and and that's that's what makes a leader somebody who can make other people also be leaders in their own right right yes people reach out for the quote all the time it's not just about like you know take this check and and leave me alone it's about a bigger plan Mm -hmm. and a bigger involvement and how we can all do something together Together. how we can get the whole community involved if it's like building a school you know people feel more involved even if they give a small check or, you know, they feel like they're a part of something and 100%. they feel like they did something, they feel like they did something right. It's very important to get people involved with the mitzvah of giving and that's how it is. Yeah, you know what, you'll appreciate something very beautiful that I heard um, Mr. George Rohr say in the name of um, the late uh, Rabbi Gordon. He said one time also he was being honored for again, for his charitable given. And he said a lesson he learned from Rabbi Gordon was that you give 10% and Hashem guarantees the 90%. That tzedakah is the guarantee of your 90%. And that is such an incredibly powerful, which is exactly what you were saying before, that we used, you use the word yes. pipeline. Amazing. 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 Yes. So beautiful. So let's shift a little bit to your role as a mother, because you're a mother <laughs> of four children, which is in and of itself a full-time job. And you're also a committed Jewish woman, as you and I know it that has its own demands on time. So let's talk about that juggling act, uh, parenting, CEO, wife. Can you share with us some lessons you've learned from the trenches? Yes. Um, you know, the, the older the kids are getting, 
I see how it's much more difficult for me. They really like they call me every day at exactly 4:32 the second they walk in the house. They're like, mm-hmm. "Mommy, when are you com- when are you coming home today? Are you coming home early?" And you know, it, it's like a daily um it's a daily struggle of trying to find the balance. There's really no perfect formula or a recipe to balance everything every day, but I try to make it work for me and my family as much as I can. And I believe that every woman needs to find her own way to make it work with whatever let's let's say with whatever ingredients you have because I mean I think that for for being a working mom you most definitely need to have help mm-hmm. because you know the kids are at home and Baruch Hashem I'm blessed to have help and and family help and my husband's family which is amazing and supportive I mean I do also sacrifice I do sacrifice Fridays for example I don't go to work I just cannot I have to be I'm still a wife I'm still a mother I'm still committed to my family and to being a Jewish mother and I want to give my family this amazing Shabbat feeling that I used to experience Shabbat at home and I want them to have an amazing meal that I'm cooking myself mm. and I, I'm home with them so I'm sitting with 20 pots on the stove and making conference calls and the baby screaming in the background <laughs> it's it's a whole nightmare but it's 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 a very it's a moving feeling because I'm excited to give that feeling to my children and they're the most happy kids when they come home Friday it's like mommy's home mommy's home and they get to try my you know my cookings and this is a really fun feeling so Friday I'm home Saturday I'm home Sunday of course I'm home with the kids so this is my time to make up for for the very busy week that I'm going through at work right. and I'm less available to the children. So I'm not saying this is a balance that would work for any mother, but this is the balance that I found to be working for me. By the way, the question that most women ask me is, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I, I really don't have a, a concrete answer, right. but I believe that bottom line, whatever you're doing at the moment you're doing it, just focus and give your 100% of yourself to whatever you're doing. So if I'm at work, I'm trying to focus 100% of work and what's going on. I know that my kids are at school or at home with someone that's, you know, taking good care of them. I don't want to think about it too much. I'm giving 100% of myself in the office. And when I'm home, I give 100% of myself to the kids. I try to focus at the time of where I am 100% to my mission. Wow. Thank you for taking us behind the scenes. Yeah, it's like you said, it's for all of us. It's a a real balancing act. And there is no right answer. Like you said, we have to each one kind of make it work for ourselves. Um, But it can work. And I'm sure there have been many gratifying times. There's a lot of challenges. It's not it's not easy. You have to you have to figure things out. But I'm sure there's a lot of gratifying times. What's been the most gratifying if you had to pinpoint something that you're like, you know what, this has been worth it, like all the juggling's been worth it? What would you say that would be? Listen, I'm definitely thinking that juggling is worth it. I would if it wasn't worth it, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. I love I love to work and I love being a mother. And I I don't think I would be able personally to be home the whole day. This is just not who I am. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I feel privileged that I could actually go and achieve stuff and do stuff. I mean, it's an amazing self-development for myself and I'm grateful for the opportunity because it is an opportunity and not everyone gets that. I love doing it. This is why, you know, I don't feel too much. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have done that. I should have right. been there. I, I don't let that guilt guide me or, or I don't let that 
even bother me. Good I'm focusing you. on whatever I'm doing. Good for trying, you. you know, we're, we're all trying. <laughs> we're all trying our best. We, I had a, yeah. uh, had a wonderful guest uh, earlier, uh, Hannah Weisberg. She's the editor of Chabad.org. And I asked her about this whole question of, you know, having it all. And she said to me, something so beautiful. She said, you know what, Yael? I don't know if we can actually have it all, but we can give it our all. And I thought that was spot on. <laughs> this is really true. And this is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But I think that because we have so much on our plates and so much to handle, the time that we devote to whatever we're doing is so much more focused and devoted rather than if you're not, if like you're not busy and you have the whole day to do this and this. So you're like, you know, taking your time, whatever. If I know I have one hour in the office right now before I run home to finish one, two, three, four, five, I give it my all. I agree with you. And, you know, if I'm home in the evening right before my kids go to bed after I haven't seen them the whole day I give them my all and I'm like okay kids who wants to hear a story who wants to do this who wants to do this you know you're more with them rather than I'm home the whole day guys go to bed shower and you know you're just less available to them yes so I guess because I'm so limited with the time every you know every minute that I have is is fully dedicated and fully used amazing amazing aside from time off on Shabbat like you mentioned and obviously you have Sundays and Jewish holidays um Um, Are you able to carve out any time for your own spiritual nourishment? Like, is is there something that you do personally that to recharge spiritually, aside from Shabbos, obviously? Recharge spiritually. It's a good question. I mean, I don't necessarily do anything, you know, to take off other than Shabbat. I think Shabbat is enough to charge me for the whole week. (laughs) Thank God for uh, Shabbat, I'm telling you. (laughs) Yes, yes. But one day is totally enough for me. I think what charges me um, spiritually is I keep praying all day for everything. Mm. So. I don't take anything for granted. Prayer is a part of my life every single day. So even like, Hashem, please help me today do this and this. Hashem, thank you so much for everything that I have in my life right now. I mean, I don't want to be tested and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ask only when it's bad. I'm, I'm honestly grateful all the time. Prayer is something that also is very strong for me in my business. I pray all the time, Hashem, please help me achieve this and this goal. Hashem, please help me that this challenge is going to turn out to be an amazingness, a miracle. Mm. Prayer is something that takes me it's something that really I take with me to to achieve all my goals also in business also in personal life it's so beautiful because what I hear from you is this ongoing conversation that I think it's so important to stress because people often think like you know prayer is just open the sitter and you say a few words but really like I always tell people really the real prayer the real service of the heart is having that presence of Hashem constantly throughout your day and having that ongoing conversation which is what I'm hearing from you it is it has to be I've been through so much things here in business and I've got to see so many characters and people who have done so many things, good and bad. The only thing that can basically keep me going and believing that things that are happening is for the best is only the faith that I have in Hashem that mm-hmm. everything is going to happen for a good. And Baruch Hashem, I was lucky enough to witness so many miracles that I felt like Hashem listened to my prayers all you know, all these years, like this was correct, this was Hashem, thank you for this, thank you for helping me this. It's just a way of how I do business, I guess. I'm, I'm really a believer that even if we go through really hard times uh, sometimes and like, why did this happen to us? You know, why did this challenge come? I believe that eventually it's just Hashem is giving us a challenge in order to give me a solution for something else in the future. And it's just something that it's an obstacle. You know, eventually it's everything is from Shemaim. Everything is for the good. And all I can do is just trust Hashem that he'll lead us in the right way. I mean, what are we in this world? We're powerless. So we just have to pray. I guess that's it. I mean, to trust the one above. Like I always say, he has very, very broad shoulders. (laughs) He can handle a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> we just have to rely yes. on him. Khagit, um, if you had to describe Judaism in one word, what would you say? It's going to be three words, but it's a way of life for me. Mm-hmm. So Judaism is, um, when I used to be young, I used, I used to think that Judaism is like, it's such a burden. Like, I can't eat this non-kosher ice cream. I mean, we lived in Belgium for a few years. And as a child, I was always like, I was like looking at all these non-kosher desserts that people were eating. And my eyes were like, how can they eat it? And I can't. <laughs> what's the point of being Jewish? What's wrong with this ice cream? Being more serious when I grew up and, you know, I got to see um, what Judaism does to my marriage, for example. Mm -hmm. What a power it has of telling me how to be with my husband, what type of a wife I should be, how I should be. It's giving me guidelines for life. What type of a person to be, you know, all the things you're not allowed to do and it's, and it's, you know, it's, I'm in the business world, believe me, I unfortunately am exposed to, you know, people's misbehavior Mm -hmm. all the time and, you know, when the Torah is guiding you how to be behave and I mean, it's just the way of life. It's telling 100%. you what a wife to be, what a mother to be, what a person to be with other people. You know, it's telling you to rest on Shabbat because your body needs it more than your mind knows it. I guess when only when I grew up and I, be, you know, as I became a mom, I saw the importance of how amazing it is to become a Jew, to be a Jew and to raise your family on the Jewish values. 100%. It's, it's, it's a full on way of life. And, you know, on that note, it reminded me the last night I was studying with my son. He He's taking the big exams for the Chidon 613 in New York, there's a big competition where they learn the 613 um, mitzvahs of the Rambam. So we were learning for the test and he was on a mitzvah of not alterating your measurements, your scales. Um, and I said to my son, you realize how Torah is involved in every single detail that if you're a businessman in your shop, you are not allowed to have a scale that is uneven, that minutia of how Hashem helps us be straight, you know, human beings. <laughs> Amazing. It's true. It's really, really true. It's really, really amazing. I, I want to shift a little bit to women empowerment because I know this is a cause that is very near and dear to you. And you are an advocate for women in the corporate world. And by the way, the fact that you are the daughter of, of one of the most influential and powerful businessmen in the world speaks volumes incredibly high of, of your father. And, and let's be honest, of your husband as well, an amazingly supportive husband, because you've worked for so many years in a male dominated um, environment. I'd love to hear hear from you, what do you think we could be doing better, both men and women, with regards to female empowerment, with closing the pay gap, female representation at the C-level, in the boardroom, I mean, and the overall recognition of those different valuable attributes that both men and women, frankly, bring to the table when it comes to business. I'd love to start with the women because I think the men get a lot of heat when it comes to this topic, but I'm sure we as women can also do better in terms of advocating for our own, for ourselves and for each other. So what, what do you think we could be doing better? Listen, it's it's very tough because women they have so much going on, and you know, for them to be fully available to to a business, it's it, it has a price. So a lot of my friends that are very successful businesswomen, for example, don't have children or they're not married. It's very difficult to have it all together. Mm-hmm. It is for me. It was very hard to see that there were very little presence of females in the business world. It's something that was rare for me to to see, and I would get really excited. Like if I, would, if I would go to a lawyer's meeting and I would see a female in the room, yes. and and I actually through my business deals, I I actually have got to know amazing women. They're amazing. They are out there, but there's not enough of them. There should definitely be more women presence in many industries. It's just really hard for the women, and unfortunately, the men that are in charge of the companies or in hiring, they're just afraid to give the women these opportunities. But today, I've I've come to see so many amazing companies. 
that give so many opportunities to women and, and women environment. And, and uh, I hope this is going to keep growing. Yeah, I, I hope and the trend, I, I think the trend is here to stay. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of positive results from, from the more equal representation because the truth is the world needs both our insights. <laughs> They definitely need a lot of our, of our insight. As I told you, the women are so focused at what they do and they have less time, but so much more to give. No discrimination. I think men are excellent at what they do, but women are not less excellent at what they do. You know, they just need to be giving the platform to show that. I definitely feel that I was mostly empowered by my father and by my husband, you know, my father to, to trust a girl. I was 25 yes. years old when I came here to New York. I was very young. I was a young mother. Obviously, my, I think my father was the biggest feminist mm -hmm. and, you know, empowerer to giving me this opportunity and this job and to trust me so much until today. And same for my husband. I am so grateful for my husband because I think that it takes a very confident, self-aware man in order to support your woman, your wife, and to let her be whatever she wants to be and to let her be successful and, you know, let her rise and shine. Only um, confident men would let his wife be that. This trend is what we women and men need to be working on, on empowering other women that are struggling between, you know, they want to fulfill themselves. They want to do something with their life. They don't, they don't just want to be home all day long. You know, it's very, very tiring and challenging to be a, a full-time mother. And I think for the time, at least that the kids are in school, women, they want to do something with their time. They have so much to give. It's a very big challenge because, you know, her husband does not want that. She wants that. It's, it's a really tough topic. Like, what do you do in situations like this? Right, 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 right. Yes. So I think this is definitely a, a, a phenomenon that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Not sure how exactly, but it's a problem. Well, 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 you know what? They just just even having these conversations, I think, is it's one of the most important steps. <laughs> we need to recognize and we need to recognize, like you said, that there is tremendous value in women um, trying to fulfill their aspirations and, you know, living that part of their creative being a creative force and for husbands to have the self-confidence to allow for that because ultimately happy wife happy life you know you have a very it just it, it all feeds I, into I'm each the other. living proof to that I'm the living proof <laughs> 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 no no it's 100% true I told you you mentioned your father as a feminist and on that note um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe whom your father was obviously has a strong connection to and yourself was also a huge feminist a huge uh, proponent of women really transforming the world and being um, out there doing their part, right? Um, so I'd love for you to take us to the connection and how this beautiful relationship between your family and Chabad and the Rebbe, um, how did this all originate? So all the way back in Russia, where my father was born, there was a Chabad presence at the time and the rabbis were, you know, belonging to the Chabad movement. I think that in the 80s, when my father, met the Rebbe, my father was asking him a question about some type of a business, if he should invest in this business, he shouldn't invest in this business. And the Rebbe looked at him and he said, you're going to be very successful, but you have to promise me that you're going to take care of the Jewish people in Russia. You're mm -hmm. going to succeed in all your businesses, but your shlichut in this world is to make sure that the Jewish Jews in Russia are going to be taken care of. Wow. Yeah, that was my father's life's mission. I mean, hundreds of schools and mikvahs and shuls right. and children. It was all the Rabbi's blessings.
blessing and the, the rabbi's mission. Wow, wow. What tremendous nachas to the rabbi to see all that came. Um, you know, because a lot of people go and they don't necessarily listen to the call of action, but uh, oh, the no, rabbi no. gave your father a call to action and he definitely has fulfilled it. Baruch Hashem. Yes. I was never lucky to meet the Rebbe, but I go to the Ohel very often mm. to pray. It's a very, very special spiritual place. Yes. I go there and I get so fulfilled and, and empowered and strong and confident and hopeful. Yeah, I, I really feel like this place is such a special place and I encourage all the women that are listening, uh, who, whatever struggles you're going in your life, really, if you need anyone to talk to, just go and and be there and write a letter and read some Tehillim and talk to Hashem. This is such an amazing place. I definitely, I couldn't agree with you more. I Every time I go to the Ohel, I feel like when I finish and I walk out, like a heavy weight has been lifted all of my shoulders. It's like an in, I'm an entirely new person. It's, uh, yeah, I feel like the Rebbe is personally taking care of me. Yeah, I, yeah. I really feel that. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Chagit, let's wrap it up with a, a game that I do with all my guests where I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence and you're just going to answer it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Of course, yes. Um, Chagit, so if you have Levayev and I feel most spiritual, when? When I light Shabbat candles is definitely the most spiritual. Like Friday is such a crazy day, as I told you. <laughs> and the second I light the Shabbat candles and I just take a few minutes with my girls around the candle to just pray and you know, think of the week I had, I had and just pray for the next week. It's such a shift. All of a sudden, the house is quiet. And that's it, everything is ready. And I could just go from craziness to sitting down on the couch. Yes. So I think this is the most special feeling for me. Yes, my favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is definitely Shabbat. Shabbat, uh, for it's the most amazing mitzvah, maybe people might not understand it, but it's making you connect with your family, mm-hmm. disconnect from the entire world, and just focus on sitting with your husband and children and family and host and have fun and spend time and play games and talk about your Parsha Chavua notebook. And it's a really unifying feeling that we're blessed to have every single week. Yeah. And, and in this day and age, I think it's become all the more, not that it would ever be irrelevant, but I think it's all the more important that we that we appreciate what it's giving us. Um, we live such plugged lives with technology and uh, with just, you know, just being constantly in, on the adrenaline rush that what Shabbat is doing for our relationships, the deepening our relationships is just really priceless. My, 100%. my fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? So I think it was many years ago. I was a young child and my father took us for Hanukkah to Russia, to Moscow. It was um, in the Red Square in the center of Moscow. The rabbi, a Chabad rabbi, was standing on a huge menorah in the center of the city and lighting the menorah and saying the brachot and my father said a speech and he said I feel like this is the best shlichu we have ever done in our life to be able to stand here and dance in the center of Russia in the red wow. square and light the menorah in the same place that 60 years ago they would execute Jews mm. for being Jewish people mm. So I felt that was the most strong memory of being a Jew and to try to relate to what my father went through in Russia at the days that they were uh, growing up to try to be, they were hiding the fact that they were Jews because they were growing in a communist country. Right. And just to hear those stories all the time. And he felt like so accomplished for being able to achieve that. And I just felt like, you know, I got the chills when I was witnessing it as a child. I was really a young girl and I still remember it. Wow. 
Wow, incredible uh, memory of Jewish pride. It's something so beautiful. I'm going to ask you this, even though you alluded to it a little bit before when you were talking about your time in Belgium as a child, but I'm still going to ask you just in case you have something different also. It's something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? Yes, so definitely that it's it's a way of life and it's not coming here to challenge me or make my life more complicated. <laughs> just the opposite. It's the Juda- Judaism is here to make your life better. Beautiful. That, that's how I feel it. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to? We give to various uh, causes and charities and families, but I think that most of our tzedakah goes to our community in Queens and uh, the school that I'm involved with. Uh, I'm the president of the Jewish Institute of Queens organization. It's basically uh, a school that my father started here in Queens about 16 or 17 years ago. Yes. So at the time, there were many families that couldn't afford the Jewish education. Hmm. Obviously, you know, it's very costly. It is. And they would just, you know, send their kids to public schools. They're right. like, you know, we're Shabbat at home. They're going to they're gonna get it when they grow up. Don't worry. And my father was a believer that uh, for in order to keep someone Jewish and instill the Jewish values, it's something that needs to be done from a young age 100%. and in school. 100%. And in school, they have to, you know, not to intermarriage and, you know, you don't want to lose the child. You have to make sure they have Jewish education. And it is, what can you tell a family that says, well, I don't have so much money to pay right. for Jewish education. Right. So we, we bought a building and we decided to open the free Jewish public school back at the time. It was hard to get the students because people thought, well, you know, here and there. But today we are lucky. We have 600 students. We had thousands <gasps> of, of graduates already since then. Yes. And, and it's amazing to see, you know, so many kids that are, they're all very, you know, religious girls and marrying yeshiva guys. And it's amazing. It's just amazing to see the work that one person with an, a vision and initiative can change an entire community. Mm-hmm. So today I'm still very involved with the school and that's why I like donating there because I know exactly where the money is going. I know it's going to the right causes, to the right places. It's just, it's a great cause for me. What a beautiful, what a beautiful project. Finally, I'm Chagit Soviev Levayev and today I am most grateful for. I'm grateful for everything that I have, mostly for my husband and children and our health. And I'm also grateful for the challenges because I know that Hashem is trying to teach us a lesson trying to make us learn from them and become better better people. Chagit, thank you so much. You're such an inspiration. My bracha to you right now, I'm so inspired by this interview, is you should grow Mechayel El from strength to strength. Hashem should give you all the blessings and all success. And really, um, kavod, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you've been so candid and open and genuine with me and with the audience. And everybody, if you want to learn more about Chagit and hear more of her beautiful messages um, she is on Instagram at Hagid underscore Leviath Hagid thank you thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you Thanks, Chagit, for stopping by. You can follow Chagit at Chagit underscore Leviyev. Chagit is C-H-A-G-I-T and Leviyev is L-E-V-I-E-V. All of this and more back at JewishLatinPrincess.com. I actually want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to a listener who wrote to me on Instagram. Her name, her Instagram handle is uh, Yehudit Ko, and she said, Hey from London, just stumbled across your podcast and boy, am I grateful. I love that all your interviews are light and interesting and nothing news related and about these hard times blah 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 and that's what she said that lots of people always like to talk about 
bad enough that stuff happens, it doesn't also have to be all over wherever you look and listen. So I love that you just focus on inspirational women for us to enjoy and learn from in a positive way. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Yehudis Call. I am glad you're enjoying the interviews. And yes, we're definitely not focusing on the negative here, but trying to highlight all the unique and different ways that we Jewish women are bringing light into this world. Great to know you're listening all the way in London. I wonder where the rest of you are listening from. Drop me a message. Let me know. And hey, if you're enjoying the show, why not drop a review on iTunes or share it with the other Jewish women in your life? Chances are they will enjoy it and benefit from it as well. I hope you're having a great week, everyone. I'll see you here next time. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.